saying that goes there is no time like the present if you have an issue or sickness or worry or whatever your concern may be there's no time like the present to start reaching out to God in your praise and worship and then make your request known to him but you have to be willing to open your mouth and lift up your head despite of how you feel despite of how your, your body feels despite of what's going on what people around you say but if you want a move of God worship him he's drawn to it praise him he loves it enter into his gates with thanksgiving as far as remembering the things that he's done and delivered you from in the past. And I mean that there were things that he has done for you that you probably don't remember or didn't realize he was doing it. Or, or there were things that he's done for you and maybe you forgot to thank him for it. Or, or you gave the wrong credit to somebody else. But I want to let you know this morning that God was there. So enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And then when you get into his courts. Let the praise and worship begin to take place and manifest and see won't God change the situation in your life. Praise the Lord. And for those of you that don't know me, I'm, my name is Brother James Long. I'm so happy to be here and I see many familiar faces and new faces. I also just want to uh, recognize at this moment, when I got here this morning, the first person I saw was... Uh, Brother Jacob over here. I love Brother Jacob. We don't get to talk much like I would like to, but I know a lot about him. So I just want to commend you. When I first came in here and saw him and he greeted me and everything, you know, I respect and those things. I noticed that uh, on his hip he carries a pair of keys, just like me. Now, when you see these kind of keys, you think it's somebody that's the janitor and they just got keys to all the rooms that are in the building or in the household, but I, I, it let me know that not only does he probably have the keys to open up the doors of the church and all the other rooms, but that he's also a real servant of God. And I mean, he was here extra early, and I noticed he had everything going, and I, I could sense him in the worship, and he was ready, and I, I just praise God, because I know Brother Jacob has been through a lot of things in his life that some of his family members and pastor and other people have told me about and said, young man, I want to commend you this morning. Yeah. Encourage you to be strong. The only thing that I'm disappointed with you is that you're taller than I am and you just still seem to keep growing. I can't stand that. <laughs> but that's all right. God bless you anyway. We're going to talk about your growth later. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I don't want to keep you standing long, so I'm going to go ahead and get into the uh, scripture here. I just want to also thank Brother Mark Jones, Pastor Mark Jones, that is, for having me here. And I don't know if he'll get to hear from me, but uh, praise the Lord. I hope he's having a blessed time, and I congratulate him on his anniversary. Amen. Amen. Anyway, let's, if we can, go to the book of 1 Samuel, 
chapter 13. And we're going to quickly read it. That's what we're we'll reading here, verses 8 through 14. First Samuel 13, verses 8 through 14. Start with verse 8. And he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. Verse 9, and Saul said, bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. And as it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of offering, the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him. And Samuel said, what hast thou done? And Saul said, because I saw that the people were, once again, scattered from me, and that thou camest not within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash. Therefore I said, therefore said I, the Philistines will come down, will come down now upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication Unto the Lord. I mean, he didn't ask God anything. Didn't talk to him at all. And Samuel said, I'm sorry, and I forced myself therefore and offered the burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandments of the Lord thy God, which he commanded. For now with the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him, a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord has commanded thee. Father, in Jesus' almighty name, we, we thank you this morning, Lord God. We, we thank you, Father God, for your presence. Well, we know that our needs, our healings, they manifest and our strongholds are broken, Father. And we receive peace and encouragement and strength. And Lord, we just want to thank you today. I pray that you would touch everyone, Father God, within the sound of my voice, Lord. Lord, you know their needs. You know their heartaches and their worries. But let them know that you are a God who hasn't left them. You won't forsake them. You have forgot about them and you are working towards a greater good on their behalf because you have purpose for them. Thank you. Use me, Father God, an unworthy vessel, but Lord, you've seen it fit to have me here. And I pray that you would speak to me, Lord, and let your words touch your people and encourage them and strengthen them and let it be a word they apply to their lives. Hallelujah. And never forget that it might give them testimony of how they overcome and have victory and blessings through you. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. You may be seated. Just going back a little bit so we kind of understand what's taking place. In, back in uh, chapter 10, thank you, sir. back in chapter 10, the prophet Samuel had already prophesied to King Saul. If you ever get a chance to read that, that he was going to be, and the Bible uh, uh, just plainly says, a different man, a new person. It, it's kind of like when we get saved, when we first received the Holy Ghost and, and, and we spoke in tongues. 
We are new creatures in Christ. We're different. Sure, we still have some weaknesses and some tough decisions to make and, and problems that we face all the time, but now we're in a situation that when we've been filled with his spirit, we've been empowered to take control over circumstances instead of them being uh, instead of allowing them to take control over us. And that's good news. It works out better that way because let me remind you that you are in a battle. You are going to have heartaches. You are going to have problems. You are going to have difficult times. But this time, you are not someone who has to just be a wimp or a milk toast Christian, so to speak, and just take all the things that the devil throws at you. You can throw back at it. You can defend. You can fight. You can speak a word in the manifestation. Oh, yeah. God has enabled you. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. The part that we sometimes don't get is the fact that he says that we can do all things. All things, everything. We've got to remember that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means as long as I have him, I can do everything I need to do and more. And not only that, he's strengthening me, meaning he'll provide the resources. He provides the people I need to be around. He gives me instruction. He gives me wisdom. Oh, and guess what? Sometimes when I don't know what to do, you know, he also says the battle isn't mine. It doesn't belong to us, but it's his. That means he'll go out and win it for us. All we've got to do is just continue to have faith and to trust in him and to follow his instructions. And then and only then we can do all things through Christ. But Saul, still back in 10, has been told that he's going to be a different man. And it's been prophesied to him. He tells him that. He says, you know, Saul, I want you to go out. And when you go out and see people, when you meet folks, God, the spirit of God is going to come upon you. He's going to give you a word. You're going to prophesy to other people. Now, some of them are going to have a problem. Some of them are going to doubt, but I want you to go ahead and prophesy and speak that word because it's going to happen. And don't worry about it because God says he's going to be there with him and that he would never back him up. He promised in, in, in chapter 10 that he would be with him at all times. He wouldn't leave him. He wouldn't forsake him. But in everything that he does, he was going to be, prosper, uh, be prosperous with it so long as he was doing whatever God commanded him. And God would back him up. You know, sometimes, uh, Brother Jacob, you know, as ministers, you know, it, it, it happens to me every now and then during an altar call. I have to pray for people. God will tell me a word. And I'm sitting there thinking in my mind while I'm touching and relating. I'm like, are you serious? I don't want to say that. This is where trust comes in. And obedience. If you really believe in God, if you trust him, then please understand, obedience is the very best way to show that you believe in your faith in him. Because God will ask you to say some crazy things. He'll ask you to talk to some crazy people. He'll ask you to do some things that are not normal to people in this world. And there's some things that are not normal to you that don't make sense. But trust in him and thus do so. And just like he promises to do so, he will back you up in it. And so when I would do this and I would prophesize to him and, and then later on somebody would come and tell me like, man, you, may, you read my mail or you, you told me this and that was going to happen. And sure enough, it happened. 
And God was like, see, and I still have a problem doing it, but after a while I get used to it. And it doesn't happen all the time. I don't claim to be a prophet, and I don't believe Saul was a prophet. But if you are willing and you are available, God will use you in these areas of gifts that you didn't know you could be used in. Hear me out. So he gave Saul, King Saul, instruction to go to Gilgal. And he wanted him to wait there. He wanted him to go to Gilgal. And then he said, I just want you to go there and I want you to wait. And then I will come and give you instructions. He said, Samuel would give the instructions, not Saul. He would tell him what to do next. He let him know that he was going to give two offerings. One was an offering of sacrifice. Another one was an offering of peace. Folks, always make sure that no matter what you do, before you ask God for anything, make sure that you're right with him. Make sure that you're, you're still on the good list. Make sure that you're okay. If you've got problems with somebody else, if, if you've done something wrong, you better go and make peace and ask for forgiveness and repent right then and there if you want to continue to move forward in God and not be lost. So he said, if you just wait, Saul, I'll give you instructions on what to do about the Philistines. Now, here we are, three chapters later in verse 13. Saul is at Gilgal, and he's waited the appointing time, and he is raring to go to war. It's the Philistines, so he's getting ready to go to war. Saul is by nature a warrior, and he is a fighting man, and he believes God's got his back, so he thinks that as long as he's doing what he's supposed to do or where he's supposed to be, he is going to win this battle. Now, I don't know about you, but when it's time for me to go to work, I show up on time. And I'm one of those people that's pretty good at being punctual, and I hate it when I'm late. I can't stand it when I'm late. In fact, to be honest with you, I like being anywhere from 30, 45 minutes to 30 minutes early. <laughs> just, I'm serious, just to make sure that I'm on time so I can get my mind ready, so I can hear my gospel music, glory, hallelujah, I mean, whatever it takes to get me ready for work, and I'm on time. Hallelujah. I don't like to go in and, you know, at that last minute, you just punched in kind of aggravating because then you have to go put away your lunch, do everything. Your boss is like, come on, hurry up. Let's go. Let's go. You should have been ready. And folks, at all times for God, we need to always be ready. We need to always be available. We need to always make sure that we are listening and concerned. You never know what a day might bring and what God will have you to do during that day. So I would expect my boss to be there on time and if he was late, you know, sometimes we'd sit out there for a while. Many of the co-workers, they'd go on and go home. But me, I decided to wait because I knew that if I waited, I would get paid. How many of you go to work to get paid? How many of you are living this godly life? I mean, you're not doing it for nothing. You're hoping to be up in paradise and in glory with him. We're not doing it for nothing, but we want to be empowered. We want to be able to get through life circumstances. And then we should have developed this true love for God that causes us to want to know him more and more. We don't want to just know from him from the preaching. We don't want to just know from him from the word. But we want to get a relationship that is unbreakable. It is powerful. It is always growing. You know, every day the thing we want to, ought to want to know is Jesus. And then next we want to know more about Jesus. And then the next thing we even want to know even more about Jesus. And more and more and more as the day goes by.
So now if my, if my employer took too long, or my supervisor, rather, if he took too long, you know, I'd go ahead, and the first thing I would do is I'd get worried a little bit, and I would call him to see if he's on his way. And he'd say, James, thank God you haven't left. Just open up the store for me. Just, you know, get things rolling, do what you can. And it, it was pressurizing because you have all kinds. Anybody ever worked with contractors before, especially painters? Oh, man. It's like being in the military sometimes with them. They, they curse at you and yell at you and they walk around stomping and complain and they tell you how they got other workers that are out there waiting and they're on the clock and you need to do something about this. And I'm like, man, you know, I can't do anything because I'm not the one in charge. And then so you have to do what you can. So whatever would happen, you know, I'd call him to see that he was coming, but whether he picked up or not, I would never, ever, ever leave my position. I wouldn't move. I wouldn't go anywhere. I would stay there and wait for him to come. Saints of God, too many times when situations come and we get things and people that are yelling at us and things seem to be going wrong, it causes us and tempts us to want to get out of position from God, from where he's put us. Think about it. He's put you in a position of holiness and a position of power. Just because an issue comes up doesn't mean that we should give in to the temptation of doubt or of quitting or of worrying or of turning our back on it, but maintain your position in him. Trust him and payday will come soon. However, there's some things that people are only given the grace and ordained by God to do. And so I would never do anything out of my job description unless I was given permission. I mean, as far as working in that gift that you know you don't have, but God has instructed you to do so at the particular time. And so there were times that I had to cover for him when he was late. And I had to take the initiative to do a task or two that I could for him if he couldn't be there or if he couldn't do it. But however, there were some things that I simply knew that I just could not do because I had no authority to do it or no permission. I wouldn't sign for his payroll. Because you see, my signature on the payroll didn't mean a thing. As a matter of fact, if I put my signature on the payroll, which some of the workers did, they'd get written up or fired because they were trying to make sure everybody else getting paid. But that wasn't their position. Now, if you've been working for a company for so many years that's well-established, well-known, then you go ahead and keep following instruction and do work the best that you can. Because you know that because the company is well established and it's well known, there may be a little bit of hindrance, but payday and retro if necessary is on the way. Likewise, in the same thing uh, with God, we have to understand that we serve a God who is well established, he is well known, if we maintain our position and stay with him, even though we're going through the storm, please understand that blessings, liberty, payday is on the way. But you've got to stay with him. He's a God that's well known. He never fails you. Hallelujah. You don't have to worry about him. He's going to take care of you. But endure at times. Wait on him. And trust him. The only way that you can get paid on payroll was the supervisor had to go ahead and sign it. Because if you signed it or tried to turn it in or process it, whatever it is, for whatever reason, you know, you would get fired. That was the bottom line. 
So whatever reason my supervisor was unable to do, when he couldn't do anything, this is what I would do, brother. I would go and get on the phone, and I would call the higher up. I'd say, sir, the boss is in here. And, you know, we got a certain time to turn in our payroll. If we don't turn it in, then there's a bunch of angry employees around here. Not me, but a bunch of other angry employees around here that need their paychecks and want to get paid. Now, when I did that, he would understand. He'd say, okay, James, here's instruction. And he would give me instructions on what to do. Tell me to fax something over to him, and I'd go ahead and do that. Then he would sign off on it. Now, he's the higher up. And then suddenly, everything was fine. Everybody would get paid. Maybe uh, by the end of the day, everybody would check their smartphones, call and check their bank account, and the deposits for their pay had been made. We as the people of God, we've got to learn to stop doing things that we have not been authorized or ordained to do, saints. We haven't even been given the grace to do it. Like, I'm not going to get up here and sing like Brother Vincent. If I, if I do that, you know, y'all are probably going to run out of the church and be like, who is this clown? I'm not going to get up here and play the keyboard like the young lady. I may try, I may clap my hands, I'll exhort, but I am not going to do something that I don't have the gift for or haven't been given permission or the grace to do it. Are you with me so far? But the thing that I can do is I know how to ask the higher up. And us being as, you know, a family in the body of Christ, children of the living God, must remember that we can call upon the higher ups when we have a situation, when we don't know what to do. We have to ask him, is it okay if I do this or what should I do now? We've got this problem. Saul had gotten to a place that because the whole problem was people began to scatter and leave him. They believed that because the that Samuel wasn't there, the offering hadn't been set up yet, that there was no way they were going to win their battle against the Philistines. That's the thing about it. People scatter. Scatter means to abandon, to run off, to go away. How many times in your life have you ever had to deal with an important matter and you are so close to getting to it? It is within your reach. You can almost touch it. Then suddenly that missing component that you've been waiting on seems as though it's going to be late. And people who were there with you say, you know, that they were cheering you on. They were saying, you know, we got you. We'll be with you through thick and thin. Oh, you're about to get it. But then suddenly when that missing component comes, they want to say things like, well, you just lost out this time, buddy. I'm sorry, I got to go home. Sometimes you find out the doctor needs to find out if you've got cancer or going to be diagnosed with something. And those people that love you and claim they'll be with you will sometimes say, man, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, I got to go home. Maybe you're one that's been facing it when your, your, your car may be getting ready to get taken away or your, or, or your job is about to shut down. Or maybe some people have even faced eviction or, or just some type of crisis was you know, taking place and you were almost about to get through it. It didn't work out and then your friends or your loved ones, and I mean it happens. Sometimes it happens with husbands. It happens with wives. It happens with relatives. It happens with church folk. It happens. I'm sorry to hear about that. Man, that's bad. Better luck next time. <laughs> but I got to go home. 
people scatter and sometimes the one in charge can be unavailable and even unable to, to handle the situation or fulfill the need for any important matter. If you have bills and you have goals and those things that you're trying to reach, you can't get them paid until that mission component comes. But I found out that the one person that never leaves you, and you've got to remember that, is it is God. He promises that he will never leave you nor forsake you. He is always with you at all times. Somebody needs to get it through their head this morning. Listen, let me go ahead and read this for you. It says, uh, Psalms 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Now, David was talking about somebody who maintains his position in godliness no matter what. The temptation of fear, the temptation of doubt, the temptation of giving in doesn't apply to him. Just because the situation looked bad or because people leave and stop supporting you while you're in God's plan, believe it or not, these things are ungodly. He instructs us not to worry about what we'll wear, what we'll eat, what we're going to do tomorrow and those things. If he says, you know, uh, uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and the rest of these things that will be added unto you, that is the instruction. But he says also to take no worry about what you wear and what you eat the next day. Because he promises that he's going to provide for you all your needs, but he wants you to stay focused on him. And when we disobey that, then we're actually breaking the command, straight order. And God, he, he considers that to be part of the wicked counsel. What gets into the minds of us that makes us want to give up? What gets into our minds that makes us want to doubt? What is it that gets into our minds that makes us want to quit or just say, Lord, I'm not doing it anymore. It, it, it's useless. It's, it's not going to work out. The time is too short. But God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, and he doesn't teach fear or doubt and give up. And then verse 2 says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law does med he meditate on day and night. Now, you've got to be somebody that enjoys the instructions of God. Well, listen to me now. If you like the instructions of God, his law is not just rules to go by, but if you study them and you focus on him, these rules, they give peace to the mind. They give instruction. They give wisdom, and oh yeah, they give promise. You ever try to put something together, gentlemen, here, without following all the instructions? Or maybe you were just too lazy to go back on YouTube and look again to see how to fix it? Then you wind up having parts left, or it blows up, or breaks apart, or doesn't work. It happens. And so God gives you instructions so that things in your life won't fall apart. That when the storm comes, you'll be able to withstand it. That when people leave you, you can still keep going. But you got to be somebody that doesn't give into a temptation of fear, doubt, or giving up. And so therefore, you have to like the laws, understand it. And when you understand it, you'll begin to appreciate it. And when you think on it day and night, when your issues come and you're in a time of trouble, you will remember that God's laws are blessing, safety, victory, and rewards, even in your difficult times. Verse 3 says, and he shall be like a tree that's planted by the river of the water that bringeth forth fruit. In his season, his leaves shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth, he shall prosper. Hear me on that now. 
He'll be like a tree, meaning that he, he's going to be rooted. He'll be grounded. No matter what happens, he's not leaving God. He is unmoved from trusting in God, unmoved from being discouraged. No matter what life throws at him or what the enemy does to him, he's like a tree that won't be moved. The next part of that verse says he'll bring forth fruit in the meantime. Do you know that in Genesis, the first part of that chapter, it says, you know, he commands his brother Jacob. He says, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. Now, when I read this, you know, I thought this meant just having more babies, having more children. Got a little old wood, and I think, okay, sheep begat sheep. That means we need to have more people. And he was like, that's closer. But it's not exactly. That word mean fruitful means to produce. It is fruit from your labor. When you do something, you ought to produce something for it. When you work, you need to produce finances or, 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 or you need to be able to produce you know, all, all your rewards. When you work, you need to produce that you can buy a new car, that you can purchase a new house, that you can start a business, that you can go to school. You need to produce. And being a child of God, you have to grow in a meaning, yet you need to produce. Your life has to be a testimony. You need to produce that when trials and tribulation come, you can break through them because you've been strengthened by God. You've been delivered. Listen, you can bust through strongholds. You begin to actually say, I am one that is dead and not the tail, and the devil is beneath my feet. And then there should be results coming then through your prayers. There should be results coming when you speak something to existence. You're producing. But that's because you're obeying his instruction. It's all right. It's all right. And so, have you, and so let's think about Saul here. And, and you know, I'm getting to just the main part. Y'all bear with me a little while on it, okay? Okay. So here's a question. Have you ever been in a situation where you just felt like where the time was just about up and the thing that you worried about that might happen would start to happen? Anybody I know I have. Have you been in a situation where, as I said before, victory and blessings, again, they were in your reach, but you still just didn't have what it took? To grasp him. This is how Saul felt. He's got an enemy that is coming after his life and his people. And then not just anybody with him, but his soldiers. People that have certain skills to do certain things. But they are all scattering. And he didn't decide to pray and ask the higher up. When we read in chapter 13, he said that I had made no supplication to the Lord. So he felt like he needed to go ahead and do what he was unauthorized to do without permission. Again, when you get into those situations, you've got to ask God, what is it that I need to do? Familiar Bible scripture is you have not because you ask not. Another familiar is, you know, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. But you got to be ready to talk to somebody before you go ahead and make a decision. Time had not quite ran out. He was focusing on what was going on around him. Deuteronomy 30, uh, 31 verse 6 says, Be strong and be of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, 
he is that doeth good that doeth go with thee. He promised Saul that he would back him up and he would be with him. Then listen to what it says again. He says, and he will not fail thee. God never fails. Now his timing is different, and his ways aren't ours. And we don't understand the way he does things, but he never fails in what he does. He fulfills and keeps every promise. So he says that he won't fail thee nor forsake thee. One more thing, and then I'm getting to the point here. It's, and, and again, in Hebrews 13, verse 5, it says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be without content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Two things that I've read, two words that I've read in both scriptures that came out with the word forsake. Now, how many of you believe that when you have God with you, you can't fail? When you have God with you, when you're in his presence, something has to change. You, you have to grow. You have to become different somehow. You have to get answers. If you're not getting answers, if you're, you're not changing, that means you're not reaching out to him. You haven't made peace with him and gone to him in the right senses. Saul is focused on who is there and who is leaving and not thinking about the God that promises that he's going to back him up in everything that he does. And usually when we read these scriptures, when we hear the words that he'll never leave or forsake, we think, okay, that's good. That means he'll always be with us. But we forget about Deuteronomy where it says he won't fail, and then we misunderstand the definition of the Hebrew and the Greek meaning for that word mistake. The word is pronounced fara, which means never let go. Do you understand what I'm getting at? When you're in a situation, you know, some people are there and they just stay there and stay with you as spectators. But they never can't do anything to help. Some people are there, you know, they're just looking at you, you know, like they're good friends. And they've done what they could, but they've done so little and they can't do it anymore. It really doesn't help. You appreciate it, though, but still they eventually become spectators. If you know certain people or you ever been on your deathbed before, and I, I'm one of those, when I knew I was getting ready to go out and go into a coma. And the doctor sits there and he's explaining to your wife, you know, this could happen to him and so-and-so. Do you want to see a hospice? Do you want to, you know, do this? If he should pass away, do you want to keep him on life support? You know, it's something to hear those things. And the fear of temptation is so strong. Have you ever really been in that kind of trouble? They were discussing about how to let me go. But God says this, I won't forsake you. Meaning no matter what, I will keep you. No matter who comes or who stays, I'll hold on to you. I won't fail you. I'll do something. There have been times in my life when I'm just human and I've been angry with God at times. I'm praising, Lord, this is the last time I'm going to serve. This is the last time I'm going to, I can't take this no more. And then I thought, you know, he was going to leave me alone and nothing would happen to him and I'd be on my own. I thought I had peace. But God said, no, I'm keeping you. And opportunities kept coming up for me to witness, kept coming up for me to preach. Even though I didn't want to do it, it was like the fire shut up in my bones that Jeremiah said I had to do something, and it was simply because God didn't let me go. You see, nothing separates us from the love of God. Not sin, not worry, not affliction, not death, nor life. God will hold on to you, and he never, never, never lets go. Look, you are people that there is too much 
for your ministries, testimonies for you to give. He is not just going to let you go. So when he says you won't leave, he's not just going to stay with you, but he's going to hold on. When we can't do anything else and all we can do is stand, God still holds on. He said, Jesus said that all that come to him, he would in no wise cast them out. But he also said that no man would be able to pluck them from. No man would be able to take them or pluck them from his hand. Now, I'm not saying you can't leave on your own. But it's a fight even when you try to get away from him. He's not going to let go. This is good news. So what Saul is failing to realize here that God's not left him. He's not forsaken. We don't see Samuel. Sometimes you won't always see the pastor be able to reach him. Sometimes you won't always be able to call on mom or dad. You may not be able to reach him. Sometimes you can't even knock on the next door neighbor's house and you know you've helped them out maybe a hundred times or so and you need a favor, but they won't answer the door. Or flat out tell you, I can't help you. But God says that whatever it is that he's doing for you, whatever you need, if you just ask, you shall receive. If you seek, you'll find. Knock and the door shall be open. If you and him got a goal and there is a plan of God, a purpose in your life, then he is going to stay with you and he won't fail you and he won't leave and he'll never forsake you. My God, he's going to stay with you to the end and win the battle. maintain my position and stay in my lane. I'm not going to do something I'm not authorized to do. I'm not going to do something I haven't been given permission to do. But I do know to stick with God's plan and I do know to ask him if I'm having any type of trouble or concern. How many of you understand God is in a short There's a reason why they, 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 people tell you to count your blessings and remember what he's done in your life. Some things you might not have suffered in like a lot of other people have, but you know, it could have been you. I see a lot of you are still here and we only got a couple of people wearing masks. And I'm not trying to get on anybody that's wearing masks, but you know, if you're not sick, it's because God is protecting you. You're not going to an appointed time. So he never leaves you. You may not be able to see him or you may not be able to hear him. And at times you, you can't feel him. And before, during, and even after a situation is over, you got to remember that he is still with you. No matter who stays or who comes or who leaves you, you be like that tree that is planted by the water. You stick with God, stay put in due season. You will bear fruit in everything that you do. You heard the word, you will prosper in it. But stick with him and follow his instructions. Listen, Psalm 46, verse 1 and 36 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. It's showing again, he's saying in a way, I'm not going to leave you. Stay in position. I'm still here. Other people may leave their position. Other people may scatter. But I'm going to stay in mine. Now you stay in yours. And so he's a present help. 
He's not a present, he's not some kind of help that's coming in the mail from miles away. He's not a present help that, you know, you know, you gotta call him and ask him to get over there or do something. But he never left you. The Bible says he didn't slumber, no sleep, but he's always watching you. So when I'm saying he is a present help, that means at the present time, right now, he is a help. He is a present help during sickness. He is a present help during sadness. He is a present help during loneliness. He is a present help during financial problems. He is a present help when everybody else is gone. He is always present there for you. He's not just a spectator. But he is willing and able to do something. He's our refuge, our strength, and a very present, all-powerful God that will help you in all times of trouble. Whether things are good or bad, he never leaves you. You know, and this ain't really in my notes, but it just, anybody ever heard of the, the ruler of the synagogue, Jairus? And he had a daughter that was uh, getting ready to die. Now, the ruler of the synagogues came after uh, Jesus. He, and he said, you know, it's my child. You, you gotta help her. She's getting ready to die. And you know, he was somebody that needed help. If you're a person that needs help, you know, you, you know you're an object of interest to God. He's not looking for people that feel like they don't need help and they got it all together. But he's like a physician that's seeking for the sick. He's seeking for the people that are weak, that are in need. And so Jairus became an object of interest to Jesus. And so when he saw, and so when he heard that, he, you know, he said, okay, I'll help you. But along the way, there was a woman that had an issue of, 12, uh, an issue of blood for 12 years. Now, can you imagine this? She sneaks through the crowd and she touches it on the hem of his garment. When they got all these people, I mean, Jesus had paparazzi. He was on Fox News. And he's just walking around, hands up, trying to keep people from, you know, touching, getting pushed around and bumped. And he's trying to follow Jairus. And finally he stops for a minute and says, somebody touched me. They're telling him, well, everybody's touching you. And he's like, no, but somebody drew power from me. Come to find out it was a woman with an issue of blood. And they had to stop for a minute. Now, I want you to keep in mind, Jairus is a concerned dad. And his daughter is dying. They're saying, Jesus, you are stopping here. I'm glad the woman got her healing. But now can we go for my daughter to get hers before she dies? But still, he's patient. Again, it's an example. He's got everything he needs, and he is just in reach of getting what he wants. For his daughter to receive her healing. But Jesus keeps stopping. And keeps stopping. And keeps talking to people. And keeps stopping. Now. He catches up. Uh, finally one of the uh, Jairus' servants comes and says. Trouble the master no more. Your daughter's dead. You can imagine tears. And maybe screaming that was going on. Or better yet. He was about to scream. And there was about to be some tears. But here's where Jesus stepped in. And Jesus just simply leans over and whispers a word to him. He says, fear not, only believe. Now, she's already dead. They get there. They bring her back. Uh, Jesus touches her. She comes back to life. But the thing I want you to realize is that through the whole thing, when Jairus finally got to Jesus, Jesus never left him. Sure, there was a delay. There was a slow down time. They had to wait but Jesus never forsook him. 
He didn't leave or forsake him, but he stayed with them through the whole period. I mean, he stayed with them, even when they got the bad news. And then he began to encourage them. Saul didn't wait for Samuel to come by or wait for God to act. That's why he lost everything. He was supposed to be ruled over a great kingdom and many things. Listen, some of us are to the grass to where we're about to get some liberation. Uh, we're about to get some things we've been praying for. Uh, we're about to rule over a great many things, so to speak. But you've got to remember that God is with you, so don't take matters into your own hands. Stay with him. Trust him. Believe in him. He will not forsake you. Even when he ascended from the disciples. Look, we're talking about a God who came on earth. And he stayed and he trained the disciples doing many miracles and powerful things. You know, within for three years of his ministry, he was with them. And then on the day he died, that's when Peter and a lot of other people got upset. And the Bible says that they scattered. But Jesus, being somebody that does not forsake them, decided not to let them go. And then early one Sunday Easter morning, again he rose and he went after his disciples. They didn't even recognize who he was, but he stayed with them all the way to the ascension till he was ascended, and then there was Acts 2.38. Or better yet, even before that, the Bible says that suddenly there came a sound as a mighty rushing wind while they were in a building waiting for him at Jerusalem. Can you imagine if some folks would have got impatient and hurried up and left? But he said, this is how much I'm going to show you that I'll never leave and forsake you. I am going to be part of you. I am going to fill you with my spirit. Therefore, everywhere that you go, I will be there. Every problem you have, I will empower you. I will give you what you need to make the situation come under control. I will deliver you. I will always be with you. I will never forsake you. The battle is yours. It's mine. You'll be the spectator. Still with us, never left. Never forsake us. But in all things, you've got to maintain your position. Please, maintain your position. Paul explains in Corinthians that the way to get certain gifts or, or gifts that you want, he said, you need to covet earnestly the best gifts, but you have to pray for them. And you got to work for them. And you got to talk to God about it. You got to make yourself available and show you're worthy. It takes time. But no matter what happens, remember that he's still with you. And don't do what King Saul. Can you imagine that? I mean, you being somebody that's, you know, one thing I noticed a lot about a lot of Christians is they always want to be somebody in the limelight. And the one standing up that kind of everybody hears. Then God puts them in that position. And somehow they mess up because they get too big headed and start thinking well, they got to do everything on their own. The pastor, the ministers, uh, myself, you, everybody, we have to still go by God's instructions. This was makes a powerful man or woman of God. They obey his instructions no matter what. They realize that the limelight is supposed to be on him. He's supposed to be the reason for the season. He's like that song we sing, the center of my joy. Uh, you know, it's supposed to be all about him. I'm just somebody that, a vessel that he is using.
But anyway, please remember that the P in people stands for problems and we often make bad decisions. People will abandon you. They will hurt your feelings at times. Loved ones, they do the same and they may not always mean it. Uh, I've met people that, you know, uh, uh, I thought we were good friends and all this and then suddenly they just stopped talking to me all of a sudden and, you know, I don't hear from them for years. And sometimes it's over something trivial. But I want you to understand that there's a God who is always willing to forgive and forget and will still love you and empower you even though you do him wrong. People spat on Jesus and mocked him and they beat him and they made it to the point where he looked like he wasn't a man anymore. They crucified him. But still, he stayed with them and he demonstrated his love and he died for him. He hung on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And so folks, unlike so sometimes you've got to stay in your lane and you can't worry about anything else but do your part. If all God tells you to do is pray and fast, pray and fast. If all he tells you to do is wait, just wait. Here's a word of encouragement. If you know that you're somebody that God has a purpose for, if there's been a promise that's been made to you, whatever happens, your end time isn't over. Whatever you lose or gain, even your time is enough. Understand you'll never die until you fulfill that promise with God. But wait on him. And trust on him. And no matter who goes or who stays, you stay back in him. Praise the Lord. I'm, I'm all done. Uh, if there's musicians, I'm, I don't know if I'm being formal or not, but you know, come on. And if you're ever in any situation, James said one verse five, and that would be my last verse. He said, James says that if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally and upbraid him not and it shall be given him. If you have a question or a concern, you know, I can't answer everything. Mom and dad, I met people that are 106 years old and still can't tell me what I need to know. They just don't know. But God knows everything. everything. And whatever you need, if you just ask him, if you need an answer, he'll give it to you. Amen. But don't act before you talk to him. Amen? All right. Clap your hands to the Lord. And... and I just uh, thank God for you. I don't know this morning. Uh, and I hope I'm not... I hope I'm not in the wrong or anything, but if you need prayer or if you're somebody and you wonder what having the Holy Ghost or speaking in tongues is about, you'd like to have it, I'd really like to pray for you right now. Now, I'm not one, I'm somebody that's against being selfish, but this would be the time when you have to forget about everybody else and you need to come and get yours. You need that spirit. <laughs> If you want to be somebody who can take control of your circumstances instead of letting them control you, you need the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, everybody. Clap your hands to the Lord. What do you do? I want you to hear everybody. Work up on the atmosphere of praise and worship with me. And we're going to trust that these people that are coming forth. Thank you.